Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us, and God is in our truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet, from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Zero Today. Uh, happy Wednesday to all of you. Uh, I'm your humble host, Dr. Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, empowerment, and liberation, promoting our knowledge that is engaging and transforming. And we are here to empower you, our listeners, to knowing and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this eliminating journey. Several ways you can do that. We are Facebook. We are live on Facebook. So uh, join in the dialogue there. You can. Uh, the, they have the chat thing over there. <laughs> so you can join in the dialogue there. Uh, we will be streaming this. Uh, uh, this will be uploaded to YouTube. So if you're watching on YouTube, um, I want to encourage you to like and subscribe. Uh, you see the like button. Hit that like button and hit the subscribe and um, uh, hit the bell thing so you can uh, be caught up when we do it. Hi, uh, uh, Sister Karen, how are you doing? Um, we're also on Blog Talk Live. So if you want to call in and you want to share your dialogue and your, your listing by way of Blog Talk Radio, uh, the number is 347-237-5230. That is the number to call to get your thoughts, your commentary on the air. Um, also, if you're following us on any social media, we're on Facebook Live. We also have a, a page, Zero Network, on Facebook. Go there and like that page. Also, like my other page, Dr. Lorenzo Neal. Um, we do uh, other things on the Dr. Lorenzo Neal page. We share pictures. We share uh, some other things. Also, uh, we are on Twitter. The show handle is at Zero Radio on Twitter. That's at Z-E-R-A Radio on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at Lorenzo T. Neal on Twitter. So go and follow that. Also, support us any way you can. 
We invite you to support us to uh, financially support us, of course, with prayer and whatever. And uh, you can become a supporter on patreon.com slash Lorenzo T. Neal. Um, and any gift you give goes to helping us do what we do. Um, I'm saying um too much on, on <laughs> with the show. So uh, you can be a supporter for a little bit, a dollar a month. Um, you can also upgrade, you know, support bigger gifts, um, um, whatever you choose to support, we or appreciate it. We have special benefits for those who support, and we just appreciate you so much. So that's all my plug today. Also, while I'm here, my latest book has been released. It's called uh, it's too, too Light, but it's called Reflections from the Pastor's Study. Uh, I just published this, and it's now available on Amazon, both as a in paperback and on Kindle, and it's live now. You can go and order that copy of your book, of my book for you. Hi, right, Sister Tyler. Thank you for uh, tuning in. Order the copy. Um, the ebook for Kindle is $5.99. The paperback is $15. And I'm going to do the special thing. Uh, um, I'm going to do a very, very special thing. I'm going to, for a limited time, you're going to get, you can get both cop, both books. Uh, my, <laughs> there we go. Boy, I need to work on lighting for real, though, for real. Um, if you're listening by rate, Bob Talk Radio, you can't see this, but I have the book, A Breach in the Family. That's the, uh, that was the last book I published and uh, the latest book, for A Reflection from the Pastor's Study. I will give you both of these books for $25. Yeah, but there we go. There we go. We get uh, if you, for a very, very limited time, you'll be able to get both of these books for $25. Um, if you go and hurry up and order, <laughs> purchase your copy. But I really, really, really want you to purchase the latest book. Uh, Reflections from the Pastor Study is a compilation of the bulletin inserts, words from the pastor, bulletin inserts that we had while I, since I've been pastoring here at New Bethel. And, you know, basically when you were reading through the church program, it has a church bulletin. There's a section there. You could just peruse and meditate. Uh, it was not – all of them were not from my sermons. These were spending time and meditation that I just wanted to share on, you know, doing my pastor's notes on – in the church bulletin. So get your copy today. Again, the ebook is $5.99, and the uh, paperback is $15. Help a brother out. Please help a brother out. And again, if you want both copies, if you want not both copies, both books, you can get them for a limited time uh, for $25 for both books. And they're available. They're going to be up on my website for purchase, LorenzoTNeal.com. Hopefully by the end of the week, they'll be up on, on the website so you can purchase them directly. Um you can email me, and I, you know, you get it. Also, PayPal me slash uh, Lorenzo Neal. Uh, I'll give you that information too. So you, if you want to purchase that by that way, but anyway, whatever you do, just purchase. So uh, today we're going to be talking about Kanye West and his Sunday service, and it, I tell you, it, it's an interesting thing what he's doing. But before we get into that conversation, there's a couple of things that I I wanted to talk about. And again, I want to thank you all for tuning in, joining me by way of Facebook Live, by way of YouTube, and by way of blogtalkradio.com. So we appreciate you for joining in. And make sure you share with your friends, everyone. Let them know that 
Zero Today is live with Dr. Lorenzo Neal. So if you've been following church news, uh, you, you've probably heard several stories uh, across the spectrum of the church uh, with, of course, priests abusing kids or whatever. Um, but particularly in the black church, there have been a couple of incidents that have made headlines several incidents and videos that have gone viral. Um, one involved a pastor in Georgia, in Georgia uh, Pastor Jennings, uh, I believe uh, that's his correct name. Um, but what he did was during one of his morning worship services, he openly critiqued two women uh, and it came across as offensive for, the, for some and belittling to others, I I don't have the link right now um, here. I gotta stop saying um. I might I don't usually say um this much. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I am going to do better. I'm not gonna be saying um so much. I I I don't know why I'm doing it now. I suppose when <laughs> when I'm preaching, I never say um. <laughs> maybe I maybe I should have a manuscript instead of you know trying to go off the whim. Anyway, extemporaneous talking is 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 just as difficult as extemporaneous preaching, but that's a whole different thing. I digress. Um, there I go. Uh, Apostle Jennings—that's what he goes by, Apostle Jennings—openly chastised or gave what he called razor coaching to two of his female members and of course it went viral because he he spoke what I would consider to be inappropriately regarding one woman's uh, appearance and talked about her needing to buy bras or have her bras made uh, all of that and then told another one uh, about the the men that she she attracts and why she's attracted or what she why she attracts to him now, whether that was true or not, it, it's irrelevant. And then, uh, that, that as I said before, that video went viral, and a lot of people were talking about it, made a lot of noise, and he later made a video to which he somewhat apologized, indirectly apologized, saying he addressed his body and said that um, he could have done it better or should not have strained it. He called it a coaching session. Uh, I don't. I, I don't know how a pastor coaches doing a worship service. I, that's just me. I, I don't know. But long story short, it, it it came across. Both videos have come across as being inauthentic regarding his relationship to those he serves. And. I don't know to do. I, I I can't speak toward his character or anything of that nature. I can't speak toward his ministry, uh, but I can speak as a pastor. And what I will say is that as a pastor, I would never, and I have never, and I hope I will never have to ever be placed in a situation where I speak anything inappropriately from the pulpit, or. Uh, even if I'm just giving my pastor reflections for that moment before to preach the word. I've seen pastors do some very terrible things from the pulpit, say some very terrible things from the pulpit, 
using that pulpit as as their means of attacking members, other clergy persons, uh, other doctrines that they don't believe. I mean, saying some very terrible things, and that is not edifying to the body of Christ at all. It, it doesn't do anything. It makes you feel better, probably. I'm quite sure it does. Makes you feel better. But what it does not do is edify the body of Christ. It does not help those persons draw near to Christ. It does not um, well, I won't say it does not. It probably ultimately does in the long term, but in the short term, it what it does, it may attract people to your ministry. It may attract followers who will listen to you to see if you're going to say anything or do anything else. I, I mean, that's he's probably going to have a lot of more persons focusing on his ministry just to see if this is a common occurrence at his church. Some people will feel uh <laughs> will feel great going to his church to see what kind of things he will say. And if he does that razor coaching during a morning worship experience, they'll be going, I just want to see he, what he's going to tell folk. You know, does he talk about folk like this in his razor coaching uh, moment? <laughs> that is funny to me. My apologies. So, but the thing about it is, the thing about it is, as pastor, pastors, we are shepherds, and it is our responsibility, as as Jesus told Peter, even though this is not, uh, this is an indirect relation to the pastoral ministry, uh, Jesus told Peter to feed my sheep, you know, love my sheep, feed my sheep. And Peter eventually, in, in the leadership of, in his leadership role, in the church of Jerusalem and later in the broader church now known as the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, he did that. He served as a shepherd. And we don't know what Peter's shepherding style was. We know Peter may have had a temple. We know uh, temper, not temple. <laughs> we know Peter may have had a temper. We, we know Peter was uh, a bit hypocritical. And we know Peter did not hold his tongue very much. So we can surmise from Peter's interactions with Jesus of Nazareth during his earthly ministry what Peter's shepherding or pastoral ministry or eldership may have looked like. And I don't think I would have wanted to serve under Peter as an apostle. And the same thing with Paul. Paul, well, while Paul's words were sharp, and Paul himself in 2 Corinthians, when he was responding to the, uh, the second time to the uh, the church of Corinth, and he said, look, I don't want to talk to you so harsh, and I hate that my words are so harsh, but if it leads you to repentance, that's good with me. I'm fine with that. <laughs> so, I'm not sure if I would have wanted to have served on the Peter or Paul. Uh, and even Jesus sometimes came across that way uh, in the way he articulated, interacted with the Pharisees and um, chief priests and these are uh, priests. And, and, you know, he, he came across kind of harsh also. You know, he was calling them, you hypocrites, you whitewashed tombs. So, so <laughs> in a sense, I guess. And and Jesus did say those words. We can assume that he said those words publicly. So it says, I guess we can um, assume there's place for it. 
I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm being purely speculative. I'm using my sanctified imagination <laughs> and doing ISIS Jesus in this, in this, uh, in this uh, analysis or such. But uh, hi, 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 Rochelle. Thank you for joining. But I'm just saying, you know, uh, in today's society where we are, we must be uh, very, very sensitive to the individuals we serve. We, you know, we want to be complementary to what they need as pastors, but we also want to be sensitive in how we articulate whatever we do, whatever we say from the pulpit, because it comes across as authoritative. People are placing their trust in us as preachers, as pastors, as messengers of the gospel of Christ. They're placing their trust in us, and that uh, that trust gives us a somewhat of an authority so that much of what we say, what we say it from that position of authority can be taken very, very seriously. And sometimes it can be grievous to the listeners and, and, and devastating. That's why we're seeing a lot of people leave the It's one reason why we're seeing a lot of people leave the church. A lot of people are leaving the church because that the insinuation of the harshness uh, of the clergy in regards to their relations and their interaction with those they are called to serve and minister to. So we we have to be careful. Uh, I don't know, like I said, I don't know anything about his ministry. I don't know anything about him personally, aside from now him being pushed into uh, the the thought and the face and the, and, and the awareness now of the broader church. But hey, there's some who are worse, <laughs> and I, I've seen some who are worse. The other thing I want to talk about uh, before I get into our main topic is I, I mourn the loss of a pastor in in Memphis who was a, the executive pastor or administrative pastor with whatever role that Mississippi Boulevard uh, Christian Church, which is one of the largest churches in the city of Memphis. I, I used to go there. When I was visiting, when I was in college and visiting uh, some of my homeboys, homegirls who lived in, in the Memphis area, there were two churches that we went to all the time. That was Temple of Deliverance with Bishop G. Patterson and uh, Mississippi Boulevard. Those were the two jumping churches that you – and there were plenty of – there are plenty of others there in, in Memphis, man. There, <laughs> there are plenty of, uh, of churches there. But, you know, those were the, uh, two of the more popular churches at the time that I was – in college, and that's where we would go when we just wanted to you know, kick back. <laughs> it, it, I don't know, but anyway, um, the apostle, the no, apostle, uh, the Reverend um, Brodus Perry is his name, and Brodus Perry was the executive pastor at the Mississippi Boulevard Church. But and prior to that, he served at, as a uh, a pastor on staff at St. Mark Baptist Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. I'm very familiar with that, with that church. But anyway, so uh, he was killed a few days ago, and he was killed by his one of his mistresses. Apparently, he has several mistresses, and the mistress came to their home, to their little wedding spot, and 
was interacting with both he and his wife and whatever one thing led to another and the mistress ended up shooting him in the head and shooting his wife in the shoulder and later having gone after being transported herself to the hospital uh, she, she basically tried to run away from police long story short uh, it was reported on uh, various sources that while she was shoot, as she was shooting him she was saying the words that you broke my heart not only is that just a terrible terrible act towards another human being but I, I grieve for her loss emotionally I grieve for the loss of the wife and and I grieve for the loss of the uh, the family of the pastor and I grieve for the, the uh, family of the Mississippi Boulevard uh, Christian Church there's a lot that plays into that um, recently and I'm going back to John Grabe who went on uh, a television show and expressed that he had an emotional affair uh, on his wife with a with a female acquaintance and that uh, once that had been released, they were trying to, when they shared it with their church, they were trying to be transparent and let their church know that they, they, they were just as human as they, their congregation and whatnot. And of course, all of that went viral, and you could go back and listen to all of that. That's neither here nor there. But the fact that John Gray admitted to having an emotional affair, and we see now. A pastor is is dead because of a an affair, uh, and the tragic thing is is that this person who committed the act, the the woman who committed the act, her she was so invested in him to the point that, uh, as I have read on several sources, that she was she had divorced her husband or was in the process of divorcing her husband or whatever it may have been to be with this man because she had been told by him that he was leaving his wife to be with her. And, and it's just, it's just tragic. I'm a single man. I'm, I'm, I'm a single clergy. I've been married. I've been divorced now for 15 years. And I, I haven't gone through the dating process, having dated my, you know, haven't dated, haven't had girlfriends since I've been divorced. I know how how hard it is to try to, to, try to balance your life, uh, your romantic life, and your religious life or your spiritual life as a pastor. You know, you try to find a balance to that. And there, there uh, and for me in particular, you know, there's the desire to be married, and, and that desire is there, and you just rest, you'll wrestle with it. Uh, and, and you pray the Lord to give you selling, or I pray the Lord to give me settling, you know, <laughs> to make the right decision for a life partner. But one thing I will not do, and I I, I hope I never do, I, I desire not to do, is to one string women along uh, to get them in this idea that. Uh, if I'm romantically revolved with someone else, to tell them they got a chance, and 
going on, going on. I, I hope I never do it. And if I have, uh, I, I'm quite sure I have probably. Ain't no doubt about it. Is that a mission of guilt? Hmm. I got to ponder that. <laughs> no. But oh, um, it's, it's, it's things that we must address as clergy, both single and married, regarding boundaries, regarding uh, especially, and I, I know from their perspective, there's this thing called um, transference where we often place uh, the person who is giving us or providing us a service into this this place where sometimes there may be a, a an emotional transference where we put them in a place of interest, romantic interest, or something else. Anyway, and sometimes it never goes beyond that. Sometimes people get stuck into that place, and I'm finding, I'm finding, and I'm discovering that. The more charismatic the, the preacher, both fe- female and male, the, the greater the likelihood that there will be a sense of transference from those who are listening. In other words, there's there's the idea that if this person if this person is available to me in any capacity, that I have a chance and I can share. Uh, I you know I can I can get that and and that's not just in the role of clergy, but it's it's, uh, it's uh, across the board. A lot of affairs happen, and I'm, I'm speaking in generalities here, not specific, not specifically, but in generalities. A lot of uh, a lot of marriages are are interrupted. I'll use that word, or uh, because of transference, uh, a spouse feels neglected, or a spouse feels. Uh, anxious about something and they transfer the emotions for their spouse to another individual and that individual develops you know a, an emotional attachment that can develop further to a romantic attachment that can develop further into a you know a uh more than an erratic a romantic you know sexual so uh michelle patrick key doctor They'll be misled an individual with words to get what you want. Yeah, yeah, don't mislead an individual with words to get what you want. That's manipulation. And whether we realize it or not as clergy, as clergy, we sometimes unintentionally operate in that manipulation, you know, that spirit of manipulation. I don't like to use the word spirit, but we do op- operate in that emotion of manipulation without without realizing it. Again, I go back to this, the saying that we are influencers. We are placed a certain amount of authority, both morally and uh, figuratively. We're given this authority that because of our rank, because of our role or anything like that, that they place that trust and they give us that in far too many times uh, we have abused that, and we see it now in the case of the broadening case of sexual misconduct by clergy across the board. We see that is happening, but it doesn't have to happen. It doesn't have to happen if we, as clergy, are aware of who we are, aware of our role, and we don't place ourselves in in situations that can lead 
build up to this because this doesn't happen, you know, a lot of times it's built up. It's a process. It, you know, it develops over time. And so it doesn't happen right then. There may be cases where it does, but in a large, large part, a large majority of the time, this is over a period of time where this happens, these emotional relationships develop. And when it is, when it is, sometimes it can become in the person's uh, psyche, it can become so real, it develops, it becomes traumatic when the response to those emotions or those actions are not uh, reflected in uh, the individual, the other individual's actions. It's, yeah. But as, as, as pastors, we have to be careful. It's, it's a sad, sad, sad story reading about the death, a tragic death of any pastor, anytime, especially uh, when it, it is by the hand of someone entrusted in their care. That that is very, very sad. So pray for, pray for uh, that family, his family, the wife, the entirety of all clergy, single and married, uh, who go through this, who who are faced with that. You know, I'm faced with it, and I'm not doing as good as I would like. I, I'm I'm well disciplined, but I still have a long way to go. I I wish I could say that I have been sexually pure. I wish I could say I was very very rigid in my in uh, in my relationships where I have a solid boundary emotionally with females that I interact with. I wish I could say all of that, but it would be untrue. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be true. It would be a fallacy. Um, so it is what it is, and we can all do better. Um, we can all do better. The more time one spends, the more connects can be made. That you're absolutely right, Michelle. The more time that's just just nature of humanity. We bond and sometimes those bonds become emotional. And when they do become emotional, we must be aware of that. And if we are if we are in a relationship with someone else, be it married, be with uh, a, a significant other, whatever it may be, we must understand how to interact, you know, they don't always have to turn out to be romantic, and and if it is romantic, and you know, romantic feelings are just part of the human experience, so we can't discount the romantic feelings, uh, acting on them is where we must develop discipline, it is what it is, um, and, and right, uh, Michelle, you, you're on it this morning, uh, it is a sad consequences of the infidelities that he was engaged in. And uh, there are a lot more who are like him who haven't gotten caught. There are a lot more who, a lot more women like uh, like her who want to act out, but thank God haven't. But uh, this, this hits home anytime a clergy passes away unnaturally. Unnaturally, you know that 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 hits that hits on. But anyway, let me get on into the topic of the day: Kanye West and the Sunday service that he's been hosting. Uh, so Kanye West has been hosting this Sunday service 
since January. And they meet in an undisclosed location. Uh, and it involves a whole lot of the things that you will find in church without the preacher. And what it, what it basically is, he gets with his friends, uh, friends of his family, and they just go out and they have a blast. It's all about the music to him. It's all about the celebration of life and love and all of that, you know, the positive vibes. And and his wife, Kim, streams these uh, services live. And, and it's, it's positive because I've seen it. And, man, he brings out some, some old school gospel that I just like, woo. And not only does he bring out old school gospel, but they also – do a blend. They 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 gospelized secular songs. They did a a cover of um, "I Get So Weak in the Knees" by SWV, and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> that just what I mean. Hearing that choir sing that, I was like, man, I had never imagined hearing that as a choir song. Now I've played it on the keys. I've played it. Uh, in in the band, I played I played it, I played it, you know, over and over on the CD because I was just, you know, I had crushes on them ladies anyway, so I don't hate on me because I was like, man, they they were beautiful, <laughs> and they were beautiful and they could sing. Um, and so he has he has taken the tradition of a black church worship service experience. And brought it out and opened it up to all who are willing to come. And they, y'all know what to say, they have church. They have church. And Kanye West has always been one who has pushed the envelope of art, music, and everything else, philosophy, all of that. He's pushed the envelope. He pushed the boundaries. He's he stretched the imagination of the human experience. <laughs> and for a black man, it's, it's very, very, very unique. And I can understand why they call him a genius because the way that he has infused a lot of the things that were a part of the broader human experience into the hip-hop culture is just amazing to me. I mean, from, from his rapping days, to, from his producing days and rapping days, the way he, he brought out the element of the, the the difference of the black musical experience, you know, it was just some. Um, he's always he's always done that, and and the, while some people may say in the last several years, especially since the passing of his mother, you know, he's kind of gone off into the deep end. Yeah, that that may be some evidence of that in his in his demeanor and his. <laughs> You know, he 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 has some of the things he has said, some of the things he has done, uh, from a from a perspective of a psychologist. Yeah, you know, he he did go out <laughs> to the deep, but the brother has always intrigued me, uh, particularly when he released his his single "Jesus Walks." Now, when he released that single, I was like, the brother is on to something. Uh, the brother has managed to do what 
very few Christian rap artists have done. Uh, and that was back in the day. And there, there are Christian rap artists now who are able to do that, like Chance, uh, the rapper, uh, Lecrae. And I, I would even say, nah, never mind. Anyway, <laughs> those two uh, have, have taken on that mantle of what Kanye did back in the day. They integrated their faith into their hip-hop experience and have mainstreamed it, have mainstreamed it. That was, that's the difference. That's what's the differentiation of what he did and what um, <laughs> Al Green popular, gospelized his music once he became – yeah, Al Green has always gospelized his music. And, uh, uh, yeah, Green did it. <laughs> And Al Green, when he did do it, was scrutinized heavily for it. But people forget the origins of gospel music when Tommy Dorsey first began to play gospel music in the uh, 30s and 40s. As he did so, he was integrating uh, this blues into his his music. And then Ray Charles did it uh, later on, early in his uh, music career by infusing gospel into his music and in the 90s R. Kelly did it R. Kelly was <laughs> infusing a lot of gospel flavor into his secular music and had the nerve to say well you know don't be mad at me for infusing gospel into my music he was influenced by the church but um, what, the perspective that I'm seeing with this Sunday service is how Kanye is rebranding the church worship experience for those who are not integrated or have never been integrated into the church worship experience. A lot of what people see about black church comes from, um, you know, comedy and, and, and movies. You know, we, we, we get the church, the idea of the black church experience as the preacher always robed up hooping and hollering, uh, which in many cases is true. Or uh, the choir robed up and and singing and and the other times it's integrated with the Pentecostal reflective of the worship experience where people are shouting and dancing and and you know the diversity of the black worship experience is not truly reflected in media in, in the arts as it's portrayed so we we don't get that uh, a, a lot. <laughs> But the idea has been impregnated and, and planted into our heads of what the black church experience is like. And he is taking that and he is, along with his wife, mainstreaming this because you have you have the iteration of a gospel choir that is not singing necessarily gospel songs. They will sing some gospel songs and they do some praise and worship. And you, you you see how it is moving the the, the people. Uh, they they may lift their hands, but they they may not. They're just again, is it was designed not to be religious, but to present religious aspects to persons so they connect with what they believe to be divine. And music, by all means, is a is a is a way of connecting that. I don't care. Whether you're religious or non-religious, if you if you go to the right place and you hit the right song, you might move, you might groove. Uh, 
if a song hits you emotionally and pulls out that emotion, you're going to lift up. Hey, that's my jam, you know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But music helps individuals connect with um, outside of their divine. Matter of fact, um, the arts all together, the arts all together is a means because it, it involves aesthetics. It, it involves, uh, man, I wrote about this. I can't remember what I wrote about. Uh, and I've talked about this on the radio show, but connecting with the, uh, outside of the religious experience, connecting with the divine is, is music is a way to do that. I'm going to have to go back and, and find that article that I wrote on, on that. I, I know I published it somewhere. But anyway, I digress. So he uses this he uses this to connect with the people and to connect the people with something beyond themselves. I, I used let me use the, the word Paul Tillich uh in his book Dynamics of Faith that was written in I wanna say fifty five, fifty three somewhere, nineteen fifty five, nineteen fifty three. But in his book Dynamics of Faith, Paul Tillich defines faith as ultimate uh concern. That which is of ultimate concern, and by using, and he he further states that we engage symbols, including the Bible as a symbol, the uh, church as a symbol, and faith, and uh, within those constructs, is also a symbol to lead us to that which is of ultimate concern to us. So. And because that is what he, that's how he defined faith. That, uh, and even when it comes to a, the idea of national identity, nationalism, he talks about the flag, uh, all of this as as a means of connecting one beyond the self. And once we connect beyond the self, we have a different experience. Experience. And that's why a lot of people would back in the day people would go to church, you know, they would go they'd be in church five to seven days out of the week, just about every day, you know, and be in church, the worship experience for hours because for many of them it was psychosomatic, it was a way of escape and they would use the music. And in some churches, particularly in the south and, and the southern black churches, you had dirges that were that you know, these 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 hymns that would be sung as dirge, funeral dirges, slow, you know, they would sing, they would sing that slow to reflect the oppression that they were experiencing, even though they didn't realize they were experiencing it at the moment, they knew that this is a mean, you know, we're, we're getting away from this and we're going to emote somehow. We can't emote emote at work because we might get fired. We can't emote in the field because we might get killed. We can't emote anywhere. But in this religious experience, this worship thing, we can emote. And if we want to say that what our life is experiencing right now feels like we're dying, then our music is going to reflect that. The music that we see is going to reflect how we are experiencing our present moment. And and and, and Kanye is taking that approach to me he's taking that approach because he's he's rebranding that worship experience to the broader 
uh, broader community of those who, again, may have be may have been aware of the Black Church worship experience, may not have ever been aware of the Black Church worship experience, but now that they are interacting in this experience on Sundays, they are now seeing a greater connection of the human family, the greater connection of the need for each other connection, uh, the greater connection of the divine. And in doing so, you know, it, 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 hey, it's spreading. It's spreading. Now, this is what's interesting is, to me is that uh, on a recent announcement, Kanye announced that they, they had gotten so popular that they have been invited to have the Sunday service experience at the Coachella Music Festival. At the Coachella Music Festival at sunrise on Easter Sunday, and when I saw that, which is why I I made this this why I'm doing this post because I'm like, oh my goodness, it it made sense to me that they are he is taking this idea of the sunrise service. Worship experience in black churches, and is going to bring it to one of the major, if not the major, music festivals in this country, and expose thousands of people to this worship experience that he calls Sunday service that will be done at sunrise on Easter Sunday. Think about that for a moment. Now, if I was a pastor doing that, boy, can you imagine the converts, the converts giving an altar appeal, an invitation to the Christian discipleship at that moment? <laughs> because people will be connecting and the, the symbolism of sunrise service, the symbolism of resurrection at Coachella. Coachella is the... Uh, that's the festival where they had the hologram of Tupac performing live. Now, and think about that for a moment. Think, think about that for a moment. And Kanye is taking this Sunday worship experience to that event without the constraints and restraints of Christendom, of church, all of that. And they are going to be impacted. They are going to be impacted. It's going to reflect in the experience. They're going to enjoy the music. They won't be converted, but they'll enjoy it. Well, let me stop saying they won't be converted because uh, <laughs> they may be converted to Christianity. Or they may simply say, I enjoy the message this what of this form of Christianity. This is the form of Christianity that I would appropriate. I don't want to appropriate an institutionalized form of Christianity. In other words, I don't want to go to church, but I'll appropriate and I will embrace this form of Christian worship because it's more connectional with me. It's more connected to me. I, I, all I got to do is enjoy the experience without any commitment 
of a face. Ponder that for a moment. And and to think that this is what Kanye has been doing, and 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 Kanye, you know, he grew up in the church. He he understood how churches work. His mother was very devout herself, um, and so he's bringing this. Re- I, I I go back to. I'm a, I'm gonna say this. I don't know why I'm wiping my. Well, I do know this. You know this. Down here in Mississippi, this weather is crazy. Pollen is is just everywhere. My sinuses are all over the place. So, uh, and I didn't want to wipe my nose on public, but I'm still doing it anyway. So, it, I I spoke about last year at the Smith County NAACP uh, Freedom Banquet. I spoke about what I have coined regressive nostalgia. Regressive nostalgia, as I define it, is the embracing of things we once enjoyed in one capacity or another. And if you've been paying attention, you you, you see it with the resurgence of TV shows like uh, Roseanne back in the day or uh, what's the other one? The, the several other. Murphy Brown came back on the air. Um, that's another show that came back on the air. It, it, it's nostalgia, and, and people are returning to things that they embraced as, in their younger years. Uh, and as, it's nostalgia, but it's regressive because it, it, it's, it's, not, it's not pushing forward anything. It's actually causing people to want to wanna go backwards instead of forward. And uh, the way I was in that, analyzing Kanye's uh, branding of this Sunday service was a way of him to have nostalgic experience uh, of his church experience without having to go back to church. So he could just say, I remember this is how we did it. And he calls up his buddy and say, man, can you get a get, get a choir together? I just want to have a, a little gathering, man. I, I just need to feel like I was in church without going to church. Because the moment I, I I think that the moment he if he had ever decided to go to a physical church, not only would it have made headlines, but he would have garnered a whole lot of criticism from the church, from folk in the church for going to church. Because they would probably have interpreted it as being some type of stunt, another stunt. Kanye West goes what's what's the popular church they um uh, let's say he goes to First AME in Los Angeles, or he goes to uh, what's the West, uh, what's the Cathedral with Charles Blake, West Angeles Cathedral with Bishop Charles Blake. Let's say he stepped up in there. Now, both of those churches have uh, well-known celebrities as part of their membership, you know. West Angeles has Magic Johnson, I believe Stevie Wonder may be a part of that, um, and I think, but they have a whole lot of celebrities that go to those two predominantly black churches, or yeah, if he were in Dallas, he goes to the potty, Potter's House with T.D. Jakes, or if he were in Houston, he goes to uh, John Osteen's uh, 
Lakewood Church, John Osteen. But any, just just say a mega church. If he were in Atlanta, he goes to uh, World Changes with Creflo Dollar or the House of Hope with Dr. E. Uh, e. Dewey Smith or, you know, any predominantly uh, mega, black mega church. And I'm not talking about white. I'm speaking specifically uh, predominantly black uh, mega churches because we're talking within the constraint and construct of the black worship experience. And if he were to walk up in there and to be recognized, ultimately there would be some from within the church who would be critiquing him, criticizing him for just going, saying that he's he's a uh, <laughs> new birth. Michelle says new birth and father's house, uh, new birth with Jamal Bryant now. Uh, so he he would he would have been cr- criticized for doing that. And so by organizing his own experience. Not only could he control the spectrum of what is seen and what is heard, but also how it is, how it is experienced. And this is what I'm talking about when I talk about the rebranding of the, uh, the black church worship experience, because in, in today's society, in today's black church worship experience, we have basically still been following a largely uh, white uh, Christian evangelical perspective. So we've adopted, we, 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 you know, back in the day, we followed a largely a Victorian worship where we had the hymns and, and then we integrated uh, gospel music into our worship experience. And then, in the latter part of the 70s, 80s, early 90s, we again readapted, and largely in the 2000s, we switched again, and we adapted that model that was praise chorus driven. So we started singing the praise choruses. We put together, we we moved away from the the choirs, uh, presents presenters doing our worship experience, moved away from that, and we moved into the uh, praise team. So now you have a praise team that leads in the beginning of a service. You have a choir whose role is to continue on the stream of the praise team. And if you have a good preacher who knows how to sing, you got the preacher that's going to come on and back it on up. <laughs> but um, the, the thing about it is, is that he was able to, he is now able to control how that entire Sunday service is experienced because, you know, now he brings in celebrities and the celebrities are there. And while there is no preached word, there is no preacher. There is no dominant figure aside from him. You know, Kanye is the dominant figure. There's no dominant figure. Uh, he could, he could create how it is affecting those who are, both being entertained and engaged. Uh, Karen says, if he comes to fame Los Angeles, he may hear our pastor say, as he often does, that the church is a hospital for sick people. Oh, <laughs> There's a whole lot into that statement. I don't even want to get into. Because <laughs> some folks will say Kanye is sick. Now, I'm not saying that, but uh, I was just saying. I'm just saying, if he had come, they would just say again, it's another stunt. 
suffer because he is sick, because he is experiencing he is experiencing some type of psychosis that is not being directly addressed, you know, some type of mental illness that is not being addressed. He showed up in church. You know, he's already been with Trump. He's already re- wearing the MAGA hat. He's already triggered people who want to take away his black card, you know, and disinvite him from the cookout. <laughs> so it would have been another spectacle. But in in the way that he's doing this, he's taking the model of the black worship experience, the black church worship experiencing. He's opening it up to anyone who is able, and you know, because he is involved with a family of influencers. The whole Kardashian clan is nothing more that they're all influencers. And that brand that they have is now being infused with what he's doing. And there's that broader influencing going on. And now, again, this is mission and outreach 101 <laughs> in, in the church. This is evangelism 101. This is what we teach. Go out, you know, be the church beyond the four walls of the church and, and go out and, 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 and share and do all of this. And, and if you do it, they will come. That's that's mission there. That's that's outreach there. But he's taking it and he's rebranding and said, no, don't. this ain't going to be a church now. This, this ain't going to be church. We ain't having church. All we're doing is we're showing love to each other. We're we're all about the music. We're trying to help people be on a high level, high thinking, and all of that stuff. You know, all the other jargon they may use today, and it's engaging to them. It's engaging to them without disenfranchising them as sinners. So they can come and get the church worship experience and go home and be like, yeah, man, we had a great time. And to them, it's just another club experience, just on Sunday, with gospel-infused music. Because it ain't all gospel songs. They sang some gospel songs, but it's, again, it's a reimagining of what the church should look like in the mind and eyes and creation of Kanye West without it being church. And it is from that perspective that I, I'm just in awe. And to now have this Sunday service experience to be the headlining act on Easter Sunday morning at the Coachella Festival, when most of our churches can't eat, we don't even do sunrise service. A lot of us don't even do sunrise services anymore. A very few, you know. Very few churches do the sunrise services anymore. When I was a kid, we, I mean, sunrise service was at 6, 5.30 or 6 o'clock. We'd be there. My grandmother had us there. We'd be there and eat, <laughs> eat the breakfast afterwards and then turn around, go to Sunday school and be at church the regular, regular service. And then afterwards, we we would do two things. They all have they had bags for all the kids filled with goodies, and we still had Easter egg hunt. <laughs> I loved it. I mean, I would look forward to it. But then again, you know, I was a bit unusual as a kid. You know, I I was always into the church thing, and when I started preaching, uh, uh, 
that was even even greater for me. But a lot of churches don't do the sunrise service anymore for various reasons. We don't do it here at New Bethel for various reasons. But that experience, that experience was a, a way of connecting us with the resurrection of the Christ. That that was that was the way of connecting us with the moment that we preach week after week that God raised Jesus from the dead and that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, you shall be saved. And that is, <laughs> and to have that experience without the connection of the confession of Christian or profession of Christian faith says a whole lot. I'm not advocating that that is bad. I'm not advocating that it's good. What I'm saying is that it's genius in a way that I wish some of us, our churches, I wish I had that platform. Uh, see, uh, Janae, Kanye is a businessman first. He's very clear that he needs to gain the trust and financial support of black folks. <laughs> ah! He is capitalizing on the black church experience. And I'm not surprised that he was invited. He is in preaching the gospel. He is capitalizing. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. He is capitalizing and rebranding the black church worship experience. And he ain't a preacher. Well, I believe personally, him, DMX, a couple other persons aside from Reverend Ron, uh, but there are several other persons within the secular music and hip-hop industry that I have long believed have a calling on their lives. And when I say calling, I'm, I'm speaking in, in relation to the preaching calling, the prophetic calling. You know, uh, I know of a lot of secular artists who should be preaching, and that's just me, because it's, it's very evident. That they are, and I think about back in the day when, <laughs> back in the day when, um, Little Richard, at the peak of his uh, music career, walked away from it all to accept the calling, and pastor, just happened to pastor in Avery Church, I believe. I'm, uh, but he pastored the church, and he walked away from it for his calling, and the same thing. With our boy Al Green. And I'm not talking about the representative down in Texas. <laughs> but the Reverend Al Green. Whose soulful voice. Caused a whole lot of babies to be made in the 70s. <laughs> when after his incident. He. You know. He began in ministry. And. And he began his church, and his church is still very much thriving. Still very much thriving. I've been a couple of times, you know. It was church. He just happened to be the preacher. Or, and thank you, Michelle, uh, Fantasia, Aretha. Or they didn't never they never preached per se. But I tell you, you go to a Fantasia concert, you gonna have church. She gonna shout. She going to make you shout. She going to make you believe that you in church because she going to throw in the gospel song and next thing you know, ah, ah, 
But again, it's the black worship experience. That's the experience that people want without the constraints and restraints of the institutional church or the profession or confession of being a Christian. And that's that's the key thing. That's the key thing that we're, we I want to stress. Because what Kanye is doing is lifting off the restrictions of what a worship experience could be like. And I would go so far as, as say he is leading them, perhaps in a means of an antichrist by way of doing it because it's anti-Christian. Well, not anti-Christian. It's, it's not church. So perhaps antichrist is not the best term to use for that. But in the sense that it is not within the physical or institutional construct and framework of the church worship experience. Uh, he he's going to he's going to impact a whole lot of folk. He's going to affect affect a whole lot of folk because it'll either lead them to search the scriptures and find in them the means of salvation. Or it will somebody say I has a, I have a frozen screen. Okay, I, I don't know how to fix that. Or it will just be another experience for them. Anyway, I have run over time. I want to appreciate all of you who tuned in. Uh I I don't know if my screen is still frozen or not. Someone said that it was frozen, but if not, if it is, uh you'll just be able to listen on YouTube. Again, I want to encourage you, uh, if you're listening by way of Blog Talk Radio, I want you to encourage you to go on Amazon and get a copy of my latest book, uh, Reflections from the Pastor's Study. is now available on Amazon as a Kindle ebook for $5.99 and as a paperback for $15. Go to my, um, go to my website. Uh, it will be up both uh, books will be available on my website and for a limited time only for a limited time only you'll be able to get both books uh, uh, my lady uh, the breach of the family and reflections book for $25 and uh, you if you want more information just inbox me we'll have that available again this is just for a limited time only please support do whatever you can uh, this video will be uploaded to YouTube and it's not as high quality, but if you are on YouTube, I want you to go and like my page, subscribe, and you'll be able to revisit this. Of course, it also, if you're on Block Talk Radio, you'll be able to hear all shows archived all the way back to 2010. Go to our Facebook page, Zero Today, uh, Zero Network on Facebook. Like that page, and you'll be able to, you'll also be able to see archived shows uh, that we've been doing there. Follow us on all our social media outlets. We appreciate you so much for doing that, and uh, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Lorenzo Neal. You can support us for as low as a dollar a month. And however you give, we we appreciate that. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I have got to get out of here. And I appreciate you tuning in. Uh, look for us again in, on next week, the Lord will, uh, that being uh, the week of the Passion, uh, Holy Week. We will be observing that. We want to encourage you 
to attend a Good Friday service and, of course, attend Sunday, uh, a service of your choice this coming Sunday or Sabbath, Saturday, whichever one you want to do. As long as you are in the house of the Lord, we invite you to do so. You're also welcome to come to New Bethel AME Church in Jackson, Mississippi, 2202 Decatur Street. That's where I get to preach at both Sundays. <laughs> so we invite you to come in. Thank you so much. Uh, until next week, this is Dr. Lorenzo Neal. Thank you. God bless you. I'm out of here. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.